Good morning, Emmanuel. Life is difficult unless you win the lottery. Uh, And then there are no guarantees, of course. Hopefully none of us play the lottery, so that that reduces our chances. Last week, uh, Keith mentioned how many in our church are experiencing various trials, hardships, tragedies, and, and traumas right now. Does it get any better than this? What do we have to look forward to? Uh, some of you have prepared for your future financially. Perhaps you have savings or made investments to prepare for retirement. You may have an IRA or a 401k. Perhaps you're looking forward to retirement. I know I'm looking forward to retiring possibly one day. But again, there are no guarantees. According to Money Watch online, uh, $3 trillion of Americans' retirement money has been erased from the stock market this year alone. According to the Washington Post, by the second quarter this year, the average IRA in the country was down 17.9%, and the average 401k was down 20%. I think by now most, most retirement accounts are probably down 20 to 30% from a couple of years ago. Combine that with inflation, and whatever money is left is worth much less. Many Americans are watching their nest egg disappear before the eyes, their eyes. Even the value of real estate is dropping since no one can afford to pay the high interest rates. And now the threat of nuclear war with Russia is looming. We certainly live in tumultuous times. What do we have to look forward to? What kind of future is in store for us? Even if we make it to retirement with our nest egg intact, we will still grow old and die, and we cannot take our belongings with us. In Luke 12, 16 through 21, Jesus told a parable about how a a rich man who decided to build bigger barns to store his crops so he could take his ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, in Luke twelve twenty, this night your soul will be required of you. Then those whose will then then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So as believers, <clears throat> uh, even as believers, we have no lasting inheritance of this world. Our only hope for a lasting inheritance is in Christ. And we need to be reminded, as Jesus said in uh, Matthew 7, to lay up our treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and where thieves cannot break in and steal. Please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. On chapter 1, I'm sorry, verses 11 through 14. We're really only going to go probably get through verses 11 and 12, but I'll read the whole thing. I could have a six-point sermon or two, two three-point sermons. So I'll probably do two three-point sermons. Um 
especially since my last sermon was 69 minutes, so I need to cut it down a little bit. Um, competing with Keith right now for the longest sermon. That's, a, that's close. Um, so Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 through 14. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that in Christ we have an inheritance. We have obtained an inheritance now, and we have uh, the full inheritance to look forward to. Lord, help us to, um, as we study your word today, to remember where our true hope is, and so that we will uh, worship you and be thankful and trust you and put our hope in you, and so that that will help us um, as we deal with the day-to-day difficulties of life and not to be discouraged, Um, and also that we would be reminded to lay up our treasures in heaven um, and to lay up treasures that cannot be taken from us. I thank you, uh, Lord, for your promises, that all your promises in Christ or yes, in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Paul told the believers in Ephesus that they had obtained an inheritance in Christ. And as believers, we also have an inheritance in Christ. What can we know about our inheritance in Christ? Well, I'm going to go over three truths about our inherit- the inheritance of the believer this morning. First, the believer's inheritance is in Christ. Let's look at verse 11 again. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So according to John Calvin in his commentary, up until now from verse 3, Paul has been talking about the blessings of God in Christ for all believers. Now, in verse um, 11 through through 12, he divides, I'm sorry, through 14, he divides believers into two groups. The first group is we who first trusted in Christ, mentioned in verse 12, and and the group you also um, mentioned in verse 13. Obviously, the first group includes Paul, and the second group includes the Ephesian believers. The first group may just refer to those who first believed before the Ephesians, or to Paul and his companions who brought the gospel to Ephesus. But it probably, probably the first group refers to the Jews, or to those who first hoped for the Messiah, or first hoped for Christ. The second group probably refers to 
As I said, it definitely includes the Ephesians, but it probably refers to Gentile believers. This would be consistent with the theme of Ephesians, that Christ has brought, one of the themes of Ephesians, that Christ has brought Jews and Gentiles together into one body. Because what is true for the first group in verse 11 through 12 is also true for the second group in verses 13 through 14. So what was true for Paul and the Jews who came to Christ regarding their inheritance is also true for us as Gentile believers, as it was for the Ephesians. Paul had obtained an inheritance, and we also with the Ephesians, or more generally the Gentiles, have obtained an inheritance in Christ as believers. Now, the word obtained an inheritance in the Greek is a difficult construction grammatically and has been understood by translators and commentators three different ways, uh, according to Charles Hodge. Does anybody here have the NIV this morning? Or, uh, yeah, so you're probably a little confused at this point. Um, I think it says something about uh, chosen instead of... Um, about us being chosen instead of about inheritance. So um, Hodge writes that some translate the the word as chosen by lot in the sense that Paul and the Jewish believers were chosen by God. Others translate it, we have become the inheritance of God, like we are his inheritance. And this would be as the Jews in the Old Testament were the people of God were his inheritance. Um, But according to Hodge, uh, most translate it, we have obtained an inheritance. Um, So uh, the the first two kind of go together, chosen by lot and becoming the inheritance of God. And it is true that we, as God's people, um, are his inheritance. And the Jews in the Old Testament were God's inheritance. Deuteronomy 32 uh, verses 8 through 9. When the Most High divided their inheritance to the nations, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the boundaries of the peoples according to the numbers of the children of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the place of his inheritance. So... Um, God's people is his portion or his inheritance. And it's also true that we that, that Christ and is our inheritance, that the Lord is our portion. Um, um, Lamentations 3.24 says, The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. Um, so it is true that God's people are his inheritance, but... Um, and some of the, the some of the new commentators tend to take that interpretation, but um, without getting into the technicalities of the Greek, um, I'll go with the English Standard Version, the New King James Version, and the New American Standard Bible, which all uh, take this as that we have obtained an inheritance. Also, I'll go with Charles Hodge, Charles Calvin, and Matthew Henry. Um, before I will with some of these newer commentators. Um, so uh, I, I do think um, also another reason to take this is that um, 
we have obtained an inheritance instead of that we are the inheritance or that we're chosen. Uh, a couple other reasons. Um, already pretty much says that we're chosen earlier in the passage. And um, uh, we spent some time on that uh, in a previous message that we're chosen in him before the foundation of the world. Or we, I'm sorry, we have... Uh, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. So we are his, we belong to him. That's already been established. And also at the end of verse 14 here in the context, um, we, we are talk, it talks about that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance of our inheritance. And so, as I said before, what was true with the first group, uh, the Old Testament, um, or the Jews who, who hoped for Christ, is also true for the Gentiles who believed in the second group, um, that we all have an inheritance, we share an inheritance together. And then also uh, it talks about, again, this inheritance that Paul is hoping that they will um, the Ephesians will uh, know um, what are the riches, the glory of his inheritance in the saints in verse 18. Um, so I think it is consistent with the passage in the context to translate it as um, obtain, that we have obtained an inheritance. Um, so what... First of all, our inheritance, I said, our inheritance is in Christ. And that means that um, we, I mean, I think it means that our inheritance, that he is, Christ is our inheritance. And it also means that our inheritance is in him and through him. So we have an inheritance in Christ because of our union with Christ, because we have been united with Christ, we share his inheritance. And so what he inherits is also ours. Um, if you would turn um, to Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 17. And I'm going to start in verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So we are joint heirs with Christ. So it's because of our union with Christ um, through his death, burial, and resurrection, and, and through, and because we've been baptized by the Spirit and united with Christ through faith, that we have an inheritance, um, that we are joint heirs with Christ. Now, what is the inheritance, and what exactly is that? And Paul doesn't get into what our inheritance is here other than it's in Christ. 
but there's a lot the rest of the scripture has to say about what our inheritance is. And I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about that today and just meditating on that and going through some of the scriptures. Well, <clears throat> Romans eight twenty nine through 30, while we're there in Romans says, For whom he foreknew, he all pre, also predestined to be conformed to be to the image of his son. So part of our inheritance is to be conformed to the image of Christ, and God is working that in us now. He's conforming us, but when we are in heaven, we will be perfected. We will be like him. For we shall see him as he is, as it says in 1 John 3, 2. So we're going to see Christ and we're going to be like him. We're going to be conformed to his image. Um, and also that we want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 through 53. What does that mean that we're going to be like him? Well, we're going to have resurrection bodies. Um, we're going to be raised um, and have glorified bodies, as we just read in Romans eight seventeen, First Corinthians fifteen, verse fifty. It says, "Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot enter, inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery: we shall not all sleep." But we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? So we are going to be immortal. We are going to be incorruptible. Our bodies are going to be perfected. Uh, They're not going to be plagued by disease. They're not going to be plagued with death. And we're going to be without sin because we, we will be conformed to the image of Christ and we will be like him. That is part of our inheritance the first part of our inheritance though is actually um, we already have we already have part of our inheritance um, if you look in Ezekiel 36 verses 26 through 27. I'm going to start in verse 26. And this is God's promise of sending his spirit. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. 
and you will keep my judgments and do them. And then if you will turn to John 15, 26, where Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. He says, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you, from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. And so Jesus promised in the Old Testament, and even to the apostles, to send his Spirit. And we know now from Romans 8 that if any of us don't have the Spirit of Christ, we're not his. So we've already been given the Holy Spirit, and he as we'll see later in this passage, is the down payment, or um, he is the pledge, uh, and we'll get the rest of the inheritance later, but we receive the down payment, and that is the Holy Spirit, and so we've already received part of the inheritance, um, and we have forward to look, we have to look forward to having new bodies, as I said, and being free from sin, um, and, uh, and having immortal and incorruptible bodies. Um, and 2 Timothy 12, 2.12 says, let's look at 2 Timothy 2.12. Having you practice your Bible drills this morning. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. So, we're going to reign with Christ in his kingdom as joint heirs. And now, turn to, I probably should have uh, done this when I was in Romans, but back to Romans 8, verse 21. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So there's liberty, and, and I take that as being really freedom, freedom from sin. We're not going to be enslaved to sin anymore. Um, that's part of our inheritance. And then, of course... We know from Revelation there's gates, gates of pearl and streets of gold in the heavenly city. Um, but in Revelation 21.4, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, there shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. So God is going to make all things new, and there's going to be no more pain, no more sorrow, and no more sickness, no more disease, no more sin. Um, all these things are going to be taken away. So in the heavenly city, in heaven, is our inheritance. Um, John 14, 
Jesus says to his disciples, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Um, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So, a couple things here. Our inheritance is a place. There's a place for us. And there are mansions. But what makes that place so special? I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. The place is heaven because of who's there. It's because Christ is there. And as I said, the Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. Limitations 3.24. Colossians 3.3-4. says, For you, you died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. We're going to be with him. We're going to be with Christ. He is our inheritance. Our inheritance is in him. And we're going to be resurrected. We're going to live forever. Um, and... The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. But I love this verse, and it's in Ephesians chapter 2. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So God is going to, for the ages to come, show us his grace. In Christ, we're going to be with Him, and that's what makes heaven heaven. That we're going to be with Him. You know, we also know that other believers are going to be there. First uh, Thessalonians four thirteen through eighteen uh, comforts us. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, considering those who have fallen asleep lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So our inheritance is is to be together as the church, the body of Christ, to be with our loved ones, those who believed 
they're going to be there with us. Um, and Christ's inheritance is the church, so we're going to share that part of the inheritance with him as well, uh, the inheritance of his people. And we're going to have an inheritance of spiritual children. Those of us who have shared the gospel with others and shared Christ or mentored others, other believers, we're going to see them there. And, you know, there's kind of a, a little bit of a cheesy song from the 80s. Uh, Thank you, you know, for giving to the Lord. I have a life that was changed. Ray Boltz, um, who unfortunately seems to have fallen away. But, but this song, yeah, I mean, to see other believers there, people that we've invested in by God's grace, that we've made an investment in, that we've helped along, um, and um, that we've perhaps inspired um, through our lives and through serving the Lord. Um, John in 3 John 4 says, I have no greater joy than to see my children walk in the truth. So as John had spiritual children and as Jesus had a seed, um, many of us will have um, spiritual children or a, a godly seed that we'll see in heaven, and that's part of our inheritance. Um, again, Christ's seed uh, is, we're sharing in the inheritance of Christ, so that's part of our inheritance. But, Back to this verse in Ephesians, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Just thinking about God through Christ just lavishing on us his grace, his undeserved love throughout eternity. And um, there's a song by uh, New Song. And part of the words are, not the half has been told, a small part, not the whole. It's beyond imagination what's in store. Soon our eyes will behold gates of pearl, streets of gold, but there's more. Not the half has been told. And heaven is Jesus. Heaven is you. Heaven is the Lord. And everything we need to enjoy him. So if you think about the old fairy tales, the happy ending was that the princess got to be with the palace, right? No. The happy ending was that the princess got to be with the prince in the palace. And but without the prince, the palace is nothing, right? It's that the prince has got to be with the prince. And we're going to be with the prince. And we're going to have the palace, which is everything we need to enjoy the prince and enjoy being with the prince forever. That's our our inheritance in Christ. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. So... Our inheritance is in Christ, and the believer's inheritance is determined by predestination. Um, Let's look again, return to Ephesians. 
And we spent a good time, deal of time talking about predestination earlier in this chapter. Um, in verse 11, In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So we were we were predestined, we were preordained or foreordained or marked out by God to be his people and to obtain this inheritance before the foundation of the world. And that inheritance is according to his purpose. The one who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Let's look in Isaiah 46, 9 through 10. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. So he has declared the end from the beginning and what he says, his plan, what he's predestined is going to come to pass. He's going to do He's going to accomplish all of his purposes, and his counsel will stand. His counsel, the counsel between the members of the Trinity, perhaps, or just in the sense that he keeps his own counsel, as one can keep his own counsel, but his, what he's determined will happen is going to come to pass. So this is a great encouragement, should be a great encouragement to us that as believers who have been predestined that we can trust God because he carries out all of his purposes and works all things according to his will. He said we have an inheritance, we're going to have an inheritance. As Romans 8 says, whom he calls, he also justifies, and whom he justifies, he also glorifies. So if we've been justified by faith, then we're going to receive this inheritance. He who began this work in us is going to complete it until the day of Christ. Um, so the believer's inheritance is in Christ. It is determined by predestination. And the believer's inheritance is for the glory of God. So if you look in verse 12... It says that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. So again, um, Paul is talking here about that first group of believers. But we know that what is true of the first group is true of the second group, right? Um, Which includes us. But this first group of believers being the the Jews, or those who first, I think it's better translated here, the the Greek word, those who first hoped in Christ. Those who hoped for the Messiah, who hoped for Christ, who looked forward to, who believed, who became his, his people or his children, should be to the praise of his glory. And then at the end of verse 14, um, we see to the praise of this glory for that group, you also as well, that second group, the Ephesians included. 
but we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. So in our glorification and our receiving this inheritance and in our perfection and in our incorruption and our immortality and the grace that God bestows on us when he perfects us in Christ and we are like him and we are conformed to his image, we are going to praise him and glorify him for that. And his glory is his weight, his worth. We're going to acknowledge his worth and his greatness and his value um, as the one who has saved us and glorified us. And we can trust God to deliver, not only because his counsel is going to stand and he does all that he says he's going to do, all that he's determined he's going to do, but because his name and his glory is at stake. He's not going to allow anything to be detracted or taken away from his glory. So our immortality, our inheritance is his glory. You know, it, they go together. So we can trust God for our inheritance because of that. Um, so the believer's inheritance is in Christ. Um, it is determined by predestination and it is given for the glory of God Um, and it will bring glory to God so my question to you this morning is where is your hope where is your treasure are you laying up your treasure in heaven when you see the news, what does it do to your soul? And I mean, it is disappointing to see what's happening in our nation. And, and we think of, you know, many of you think of your children and their future. And, but where is their hope? Where is our hope? Our hope is in something that can't be taken away. Our hope is in Christ. It should be. And are we laying up our treasures where moth and rust can't destroy and where thieves can't break and instill? For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So, as believers... If our hope is in the Lord, we're going to live joyful lives. If our hope is in anything else, we're going to be disappointed. And we're going to be discouraged. We have an inheritance. And our inheritance is Christ and everything we need to enjoy him forever.